Hello, welcome to Foot Guns. It is Thursday, January 13th. It is me, Wasabi Boat Research, along with Hal69K. Hal, what's going on? Uh, not much. Sitting in uh, my car in Berkeley, California, trying to uh, steal some Wi-Fi from a cafe so I can record this podcast. Nice. And uh, Boomer is uh, Boomer's exploring the metaverse today. I think he's got some land deals going on, so he couldn't make it. So just the two of us. What's uh what's going on? What what trades are we doing? Are you still out for for your uh, travel stuff? Are you back in the markets now? Uh, I mean, I just took like small bids on something yesterday. Do you, you know that guy Sifu who works for Wonderland that manages their treasury? He posted some uh, tweet yesterday morning about BSGG. I have no idea what it is, but I uh, quickly pulled up a brand new chart and just ran out and bought it because I figured everybody else would run out and buy it because he tweeted about it um got like a hundred percent return in four hours and sold it all off um and then yeah later after it sold back off i i put a small bid it's it's just basically gone down a little bit since then um and then um i i bought back into bitcoin when it when it fell what was that forty one thousand or something like that um but i'm still i'm still like i would say risk off i i've got more um lps and stable coins than i've had in a long time um but holy shit phantom is catching a bid that's for sure yeah phantom is uh it's been on fire i'm not sure where it's at today i think i still have my long position over there that i was been in since uh 25 cents but i'm thinking about like doubling down or tripling down on it i kind of think like still these l1s matic phantom harmony these are going to, I think the story is just uh, going to continue this year. Yeah, I mean, Ethereum's just, uh, well, I, you know, I just think it's going to keep being the same way. The The people with a whole lot of money um, are going to come into Ethereum and then the lesser players are going to go into the side chains. And I don't know, I, I think it would take some pressure. I, I don't know, I guess what happens is like, do all the big players on Ethereum do they just enjoy playing with each other or do they want to come in and, and be involved in chains that have smaller, you know, retail players? My guess is they're going to want to get more involved in these side chains like Phantom, Polygon. Um, I've, I've actually, I've actually not used Harmony. Maybe that, I'll put that on my list of something to do in Q1. Yeah. So my thesis on Harmony is, um, uh, so Jin Tao, one of the Badger developers mentioned this game, uh, DeFi Kingdoms and the ticker on that is Jewel. And that is kind of like, I haven't played it, but it's like similar to uh, an Axie Infinity and they're on Harmony. So you have to buy the Harmony token to get in there. And um, I don't know, I just think when I see like, you know, I have this thesis, like when a new chain pops up on vfat.tools and it hasn't pumped yet, just throw a little in it. I think uh, Harmony is still, what is it? One O-N-E. 35 cents. Yeah. I mean, it's been like sitting in like the 20 to 29, 30 range for, for several months. But I think if they can get more of these games on there, I think uh, they're going to be good this year. Wait, so would you buy the jewel token? Um, I would buy the jewel token, but I would probably buy more harmony. I would probably buy like 60 or 70% harmony and then like 30% jewel. Right. I like the, uh, the jewel token has just gone up and to the right. I mean, uh, it is up a thousand 
1,560% in four months. But, um, I mean, the chart, the chart doesn't look like, the chart looks like there's definitely more room for it to go up a bit. Um, it definitely, um, it's definitely up quite a bit since December. Yeah, I'm, I think that might be another Q1 2021 thing to do for foot guns is actually go and play some of these games. All of, you know, I've just like watched, uh, I've watched people play Axie Infinity on Twitch. I'm on the DeFi Kingdoms website right now. It looks cool. I mean, it, it's like got some Zelda looking artwork and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still curious like when, when we're going to see a fun game i don't know it says uh it says battle systems pve pvp equipment it sounds exactly like axie infinity though yeah i think it's axie infinity i you know what? we need to get Jintao on here because he's really plugged into these games and like the nfts i know he's big into the uh forgotten runes nft project um we got to get him in here to talk about these games because i i am not a player of these games um i have I like visited the jewel website once, but my understanding is that they kind of have like DeFi apps built into it. Like they have an, uh, an AMM that's in there and they have other like lending or assets. So it's almost like DeFi Ponzi nomics inserted into these games, um, which I think combined with like, you know, another one of these like L1, like really cheap uh, blockchains. Like I think, uh, I think that's a good combination. Yeah, see, I still think the way that gaming is going to take off with crypto is when some established gaming company decides to, I mean, because there's, you know, there's this sort of thing about GameStop getting into NFTs, but like, that's not interesting to me. What would be interesting to me would be, you know, something like Fortnite or, you know, something that's already established that's selling essentially NFTs, right? They're selling JPEGs to players in the game. If, you know, if Fortnite were to say, okay, now like our skins are NFTs or something like that, I, I feel like that would be like the big moment for gaming and crypto. Yeah. Why do you think they're not doing that? Is that like regulatory uh, overhang or, or what? That's a really good question. The only, the only thing I know is um, Di- Diablo 3, when it was first being worked on by Blizzard, um, they had an in-game auction house that they were like, okay, we're going to make some currency that you can then go sell um, in real life. And I think two things happened. One, they you know had some regulatory issues. And then the other one was that like no one thought it was fun. Like everyone was just playing the game to farm money and you know no one was like enjoying it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. There's another uh, podcast that I listened to called Dumb Money. And, um, it's like a, it started off as a stock investing podcast and the, but the, the way these guys find stocks is like they search the mommy blogs and like, they can have these tools to like look at Twitter and social media to see like, what are the, what's like the hot Christmas toy this year. And then they make these like, you know, one quarter length bets basically like, is, is this toy going to like pump the numbers on like Hasbro this, this, you know, fourth quarter or whatever. And since in like the last few months, like some of the guys on this podcast have gotten really into NFTs and cause it's like pretty much like the same skill set. Like I was talking about this with someone last night. Like I've just kind of like realized I'm not like the NFT trader or at least like, I can't just be like, be like, Oh, I like this art. I'm going to buy it and like expect that to be like a successful NFT trade. And I'm not, don't really consider myself an NFT trader, but, um, 
these guys are like have the perfect skill set for that because they're all about like the Google Trends data and seeing like what are the pump events for these NFTs and like a lot of it is like now they're turning into these like passive income. So like one one he was talking about was Cool Cats. So that was like this kind of OG NFT. And now they're like, you know, at the end of January going to be releasing this like game and then your Cool Cats, which are like 10 ETH now plus like you're going to be able to create milk from your Cool Cats, which is like the in-game currency. And then they're going to launch a bunch of like low price NFTs. And then the OG Cool Cats are going to be just like selling their uh, their milk NFT or their, their milk tokens to these uh, game players. And so that's really pumping it. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not really a big gamer. Like I don't, I don't really play these games um, to begin with. So it's hard for me to to get into that mindset. Yeah, see, I just don't. I don't buy it like because I grown up gaming and I, I, I know lots and lots of gamers and I just I don't think any of them will find that fun. And so then you're like, OK, well, you have these cats that are worth 10, 10 ETH. Like, I don't know who's giving away their ETH for them. And then you get this milk thing and you make this game and it's not a fun game. And eventually everyone just walks away from the ecosystem. Right. I don't I don't. um like what you're competing for is you're competing for brain space and time, right? Of of people, there's not a um, there's not a product like really. There's not there's not something that you're you're creating. I mean, that was the, that's the whole point of you know people talking about like World of Warcraft is like a waste of time. But in in the people's minds that are playing it, like they're building a character in a metaverse, right? Like I I don't understand why people think like the metaverse is some new thing. Like EverQuest has <laughs> is existed for several decades now runescape world of warcraft right where you can go second life you can go and literally live inside of a alternate universe and and have an alternate life um i just i I think the people that are into that like they want to have fun and they want the game to to feel like quality um so i don't know i just don't think um anything i've seen so far aside from Axie Infinity, I mean, and then even Axie Infinity is like, you know, it's just copying um, essentially Magic the Gathering, right? And and just like sticking NFTs. I don't understand why Magic the Gathering hasn't released um, NFT sets. It, it, you know, it just um, obviously what it was only a year. It's been like a year and a couple months, right? Since the um, uh, CNBC started talking about NFTs because of that $65 million uh, NFT that sold. So we are we are still we are still super early. I just I don't know. I, I is Board Ape Ape Yacht Club ten years from now still going to be selling for two hundred ETH each, or is everyone you know going to be into salad spinning yacht club or something like that? I don't know. Right. It's like everyone like it's a good pitch. Like if like it's almost like feudalism, right? It's like. These games are like, okay, you're going to be the uh, Russian landowner and you're going to have all these peasants working for you, like tending your crops, right? Because you bought the 10 ETH NFT. And so like, you're going to get all these like, I don't know, what are they called? Like kulats or like, what, what, what are the Russian peasants called? Like who are tending your crops? Like it's it's a good pitch. Like if you're the 10 ETH landowner, but like, is it really going to bring in the, uh, the the eager peasants and serfs to like work, work your land for you? Right. I mean, it, it, right. It sounds just kind of like some Ponzi <laughs> scheme, essentially, where you the way you make money is by bringing in other people that are just going to give you money. It's like, well, you might as well just go ask them like, hey, can I just, can I just have your Ethereum? 
This is a good segue. So uh, if you're in the Foot Guns Discord, you know they're the uh, Spacing Guild NFTs. So so what that means is you're going to need to uh, pay us tribute each month and um, you're going to need to uh, send us our tribute to an address that we'll give out later. And um, that will just be used to, to buy um, champagne, narcotics, just just fun stuff for, for the Spacing Guild. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically like a GoFundMe, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, medical bills. If one of us has an unexpected medical bill, you know, got to survive. Got to survive as an NFT holder. Yeah, I also, like, maybe we could find somebody from these communities. Even, at, like, see, what I would really want to find is, like, the player. Like, I'm not so interested in um, the people that are building these communities. I'm more interested in, like, is there some super player out there? You know, like, because in... In gaming now, with with Twitch streaming, you have all these professionals, right, making money. So, like, who's the guy that's that's making millions of dollars on these games? And and let's bring him on and or or them on and and find out exactly what they're doing and whether or not it's fun <laughs> or if it's just you know a bunch of work. Well, aren't there stories about people like in developing countries, like who are playing Axie Infinity and they're making like ten or fifteen or seventeen or twenty k a year? just basically being like farmers in these games, right? Like farming the items or like working the land and like, yeah, like... I mean, these are the stories. And again, none of this is new. And um, was it like 2010 or something? Uh, maybe it was a little bit later than that. Um, but the, you know, there, there was some stories about like prisoners in China that were being forced to farm world of Warcraft gold so that they could sell the gold on eBay. So yeah, I mean, all, all of these things in my mind are just are, you know, what what is the NFT doing? It's not doing anything new here. It's just people um, being able to sort of get around uh, all the things in the past that were like deemed as bad. Well, with the NFT, there's no rules anymore. So everybody gets to relearn um, what doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so the next thing, I had on my notes that we should talk about is kind of like the evolving game around these. Um, I don't even know what to call them now, like treasury DAOs, rebasing DAOs, ohm forks, right? Like these these um, these treasuries that bring in money or bring in you know a basket of assets and then issue this uh, high APY token as a as a claim or a soft claim on them. So like. I don't know. I think there's been a lot more analysis in the space. Like a bunch of articles have come across my uh, screen that talk about the basically like the way these are evolving is how well can the owner of this treasury, the manager, like you meant, you mentioned Sifu, like this guy. I think that first token you mentioned, the, the betting one was actually like a seed investment that time made right into this betting platform. So like the question is, right, like users are giving you their assets, you're giving them this token, that's the governance token of the of the protocol. And then they're become basically like a hedge fund that is going to try to deploy these assets and make a return in such a way that like it pays for the if there's a discount to the to the underlying assets, right? Like can Danny and his team bring in these deals with the betting market or whatever that, that are going to be accretive and everyone gets, you know, that, that underlying basket of assets grows faster than like if the, I just had like die in my wallet or whatever. Right. So I don't know, like how, how are you thinking about these? Have, has your opinion on, on these protocols changed at all since um, 
in the last month or so. And there's been a lot of market action. Like I know time is down a lot. Ohm has uh, been down a lot. What's, uh, what's your take on the market here? Uh, well, I mean, the one thing is that if you've been staking these things, at least time, right? Uh, so you're getting the rebasing, then you're actually not down much more than Bitcoin itself um because of the expanding supply i did aren't they aren't they changing um both ohm and time aren't they changing the the bonding mechanics now right because because you used to used to bond uh whatever your assets and then they they minted more time and ohm but aren't they changing it now where they no longer mint mint new supply when you bond i don't know i I do not know the answer to that i I I know so because well the, and then the one thing that's happening is um ohm is having like its scheduled reduction in apy so i i think this is going to be an interesting turning point because now you know ohm is starting to have a very small apy compared to time um and then even klima and some of these other uh copycats um and and same with redacted too redacted has a much higher apy than ohm but uh everyone's pointing out in the chart that Whenever Ohm has had a APY reduction, then you know that that turned into a three or four month bull run for the the tokens price. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that time was is pushing, not even like like the time to price is no longer kind of like the benchmark price. It's more the wrap staked uh, memo that that's the price, the one that doesn't rebase, right? Like they're trying to kind of get away from the the time price action because like just like you said like this effect right like the you're getting you're going up with the rebases and the market price is going down and then it ends up kind of like closer to even right so it doesn't make sense to even look at that the rebasing token price right like in the end and right. i've heard it yeah. compared to like a stock split right like if you have a you know a share of tesla and then they do a 100 to 1 stock split like your wealth did not change just the denomination of those shares changed right so like the underlying like earnings power of tesla or their assets or their stack of bitcoin remained exactly the same but there's it's just the psychological effect of like either the apy number in the case of these uh ohm assets or the the stock number of shares that you have in your account and and dollar value of those shares in the stock case yeah, your uh your percent ownership of the total market cap doesn't change basically yep. if, as long as you're staked yeah so i don't know i mean i guess uh i would be remiss if we didn't mention klima since the last time i showed it it's down uh down horribly i i've i've been holding i'm, I'm still in it i i listened to an interesting podcast with the uh the founder or one of the like core contributors of klima and he was saying like basically that they have a path forward to turn it into a way to purchase a bundle of offsets. So like instead of instead of um, trying to put their carbon credits to work, I guess they would try to like, you know, I'm not sure like if there are even opportunities to like earn yield on those those credits in DeFi. I don't think there are, but like they're they're approaching this as more of like a b2b marketing campaign where they're going to go out and try to sell these carbon credits to like companies or like you know saying like it's it's easier to to buy this token and just hold it and know that your each token represents x tons of carbon and any other assets that they throw in there rather than like using it like a hedge fund where they're going to go out and like make investments with those with those assets 
So how do they actually? Because my my understanding for like the the European carbon bonds or whatever they're called um, is that when you buy them, the money then gets like reinvested into uh, you know green programs or whatever carbon reduction programs like solar panels or subsidizing um, government programs for like wind and solar. Is so? Do you understand how the how Klima actually does anything with the carbon credits i think what what they're trying to do like in my understanding is there are these like certification programs so like say you're like a farmer in brazil or say like you you're a landowner in brazil and you have like rainforest you could make money and you know cut down that rainforest and do logging or you could uh not do that and enroll in one of these like carbon credit schemes and then you're getting paid to not cut down the, the forest and then you're getting these, you know, by, by getting these credits, right? Like, so, and then you can quantify how much carbon that saves from being emitted and then trade those credits. And so like, if you're Mark Cuban and you're riding on a private jet and you want to offset that, then you pay, you're paying the farmer not to cut down his, his land. Right. And that, that those credits are then the asset that are tokenized through Toucan protocol, which is like, I guess, a sister protocol to Klima. And then uh, polluters can purchase those and use them as a way to offset. Um, so they're like credits for not polluting, basically. And so what Klima is trying to do is make it where instead of when you get on a plane, um, you buy Klima or S Klima instead, uh, and, and then that should offset things. I think so. He was saying that that you um that basically like this market is very shady and like if you're like an exxon or chevron or whatever like you're huge and you can make these deals but it's very much like if you're a smaller business or a local business say you're like a i don't know a local mom and pop shop and you want to be green right like there are a lot of these shady kind of like middlemen that deal in these credits and there's not it's less um I guess, transparent and you don't really know what you're getting. And so maybe there's a space for like this, like a brand like Klima, like that is tr to become like a trusted brand and like an easy way to buy them. Uh, so you don't have to like strike an actual kind of like face-to-face -face deal with someone. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I do have to say that I bought the bottom yesterday or at least the local bottom for now. Uh, we were talking about getting ready for this podcast today and i went and i mean it was only a uh, hundred and fifty dollars uh just because i don't know klima you know the market cap's at 150 million so it's not like it's it's like a complete shit coin but uh it's down 96 percent in three months it's you know um don't really want to catch catch the knife here but uh yeah i mean I, I, I it's polygon right so you can you can make tiny little transactions uh, without getting screwed by fees. So I just bought 150 bucks yesterday um, and I'm up uh, 20% or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think my thesis on that is like, it's getting punished because unlike Danny or um, Ohm, they don't really have a direct way to monetize those credits, right? Like they can't say that like for every credit that we're holding in our treasury, we're going to farm, you know, convex yields on it, or we're going to invest in betting startups or whatever, right? Like their, their pitch is basically like, we're just going to get paid to like hold these and keep them off the market. And 
by doing that, we're raising the price for polluters and that creates like a public good, right? So it's like almost betting on this like ESG kind of like not dollars and cents narrative, but like ESG, like people are going to buy it for because ESG basically. Yeah, I also think that Polygon doesn't have the best. Um, I mean, it's part of why I think Phantom, Avalanche and I mean, really just Phantom and Avalanche are doing well is because of the any swap and um magic internet money so the you know the money can go back and forth so easily now between avalanche phantom and ethereum and polygon doesn't have that um connection yet and so i don't you know there's not there's not people that are like taking profits from time and then moving it quickly over into klima uh because you know it's just a pain in the ass oh that's interesting i thought any swap worked on uh on polygon also Maybe it's maybe it's working now. Uh, the last time I tried to do it, which was like a month and a half ago, uh, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, maybe it is up now, and then maybe that's why Clean is getting some love. I know Polygon started getting um, uh, higher gas fees recently because some game launched on there. Um, but yeah, Clean was like the first interesting thing that happened for Polygon in a while because the network was just sort of dwindling down and then Klima launched and then there was a bunch of money that went on there. But yeah, at that time there was no bridge. So I don't know, maybe there's a bridge now. There's a, I gotta, I gotta do my homework in Q1. I gotta go, gotta go play some games and uh, see if I can move money to Polygon easy now. Um, I haven't moved, I haven't moved any money to Polygon since um, when it initially launched. I, I, you know, or sorry, I guess it was an initial launch. Um, it was it was like a month after it or something. I moved money over there and I've never taken money off. Um, and that's like, you know, we launched the Foot Guns token over there. I just took the money that I had already had on Polygon uh, to back it. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, the 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 bridging process was kind of a pain in the ass. Same with, same with like Arbitrum. Um, I took money over there and never brought it back just because it takes seven days or whatever but now you're starting to get all these different protocols that are trying to make it easier like across and any swap okay hal i've got some bad news for you you've been spreading fake news and disinformation on the podcast i'm looking at any swap right now and i see that polygon is listed here so you're good there you go all right well then i'll try it out um stable farming okay so here is i mean we touched on this a little bit in the new year's eve uh, mega spooktacular podcast, but is Jay Powell going to kill the bull market? You think probably not. I think probably, I don't know, 65%. Yes, we're going down generally. That's my kind of macro picture. But in any case, stablecoin farming, are you doing it? Do you have a percentage of your portfolio dedicated to that? Are you looking at any opportunities here? How do you evaluate stablecoin farming opportunities? Yeah, I think I'm at like 20 or 30% of my portfolio in stablecoin farming. Um, here's a here's a DeFi lesson for you, though. I was trying to get um, some money out of... I have, I have USDC, USDT on SushiSwap on Polygon, speaking of Polygon. Um, and I was trying to get it out of the farm uh, a couple nights ago. To, you know, I bought $150 worth of claim. I was like, mm, maybe I'll buy a little bit more. Um, and when I went to go press the button to to claim it, to get it out or whatever, it just, the button just wouldn't work. And then I went and asked uh, the SushiSwap support 
and they're like, oh yeah, the uh, contract that you know um, basically reacts to you pressing that button uh, doesn't have any gas in it for funding, you know, so it's not going to work. So, uh, you know, I just think a lot of people in DeFi just think all these things just sort of like are not they you know they don't have any human control behind them or whatever and a lot of the times there's there's some sort of multi-sig function um that maybe doesn't happen when you press the button but yeah you know in this case um the the contract needed gas um that had to be fed to it through a multi-sig function so yeah my money was stuck basically like i didn't have control over it um couldn't do with with it what i wanted um but yeah uh that being said these are the risks that we take in uh DeFi, and i'm continuing to earn yield on that money right so uh if you know as soon as the contract is uh, funded i can uh i can take it out if i want to i probably won't anymore because the the opportunity has been missed um but yeah the other one that i'm farming on is um uh trader joe xyz on uh um avalanche um there's another usdc usdt farm there um i'm not like i'm not running around trying to like optimize my stable coin farming yield i know there's better places that i can farm with it i basically had the money there and was looking for decent yield at the time and i like usdc i like tether um i i also have tri crypto which is I mean, technically stablecoin farming, but it also has uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum in it. And, and that's on uh, Arbitrum. And I deposited that into Badger for extra yield. There was a really good article that came out a couple of days ago about the Abracadabra DGen box strategy. Did you see that? The, one of these like curve risk assessment on the, this new sub stack that just came out? No, I didn't see that article. What what What's the summary? So, okay, so... One of the things that Danny has launched recently is this thing called Degen Box, which is a product on Abracadabra, and it basically a clone gets... of the Sushi Bento Box, right? Well, I think Abracadabra itself is that, or I don't know what it is, but it's like a the the Degen Box is a leverage stablecoin that goes cross chain. So you put in UST, the Terra stablecoin, and then it goes uses mim to lever it up to like i don't know four or five x and then it bridges to terra and then it puts it in anchor protocol which is like a um i don't know you, you could call it like the curve of terra or something and that that's getting like 20 percent apy ish so like when it's levered up you're getting around 100 percent apy on stable coins so that's been like one of the most um popular abracadabra markets and like you know it, when it replenishes like it gets used up really quick right because it's like an amazing stable coin yield but um this risk assessment was basically going over it and going over all the potential risks and like one of the risks that they flagged was just like it's the depletion of anchor protocol so like if there is a change in the market like anchor protocol has a certain like amount of yield source like just in the same way that that sushi contract like had gas in it right like they have a certain amount of reward tokens or like sources of their yield and because uh this abracadabra strategy got so popular like it's really just like i guess has the potential to kind of like inundate it or like suck it dry within um you know a couple months and then it was saying that like okay if this happens then that's like the basis of the Terra ecosystem, right? And it could cause like a DPEG because Terra is this um, 
USC is this algorithmic stablecoin, right? There's no collateral like uh, USDC or USDT. So I don't know. It, it was really thought provoking. Like, and there there's also been some responses. Like, I'm not endorsing the, in the, the article at all, but I just thought it was, it was interesting, and I would highly recommend that Substack. It's basically I think it's like Curve Risk Assessments, and it's it's basically people who are Curve contributors or like in the Curve Convex ecosystem taking a really deep look at stuff that that touch curve, right? Like if, if things should get gauge votes or not. So I don't know. That's just, that's just my plug. I, right. Right. Well, so then should we, you know, that, uh, that's coming from the fact that curve has a whitelist, right? So should we, um, talk about the VE three, three thing that Andre Cronje is launching on uh phantom? Yeah, dude, I was, I know we talked about this. I was supposed to read it as my homework and I, I confess the dog ate my homework. I did not, I did not read that yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to uh, give me the rundown on that. What's what's V three three? Well, I mean here, here's here's the parts that I understand. Uh, obviously, it hasn't launched yet, so we won't know until it actually launches what it is. Um, but it's some some new system on Phantom, and supposedly, just like everything in DeFi, it's a clone, uh, some 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 form of a fork. Um, it supposedly is Trident, which is the system that Sushi has been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's this AMM um, that is, I, I don't know, I think it's supposed to have like Uni V3 style features, Curve style features. Um, anyways, the, the point is that's what the underlying is. Um, but what's most interesting about it is that the way that the token is being distributed is to the protocols themselves rather than uh, users or liquidity providers um, or teams or VCs. So they're apparently they're going to do a snapshot on Phantom of the top 20 um, t- protocols like based on total value locked and then, I guess, distribute the tokens to the DAOs in some way. I'm still not, it's still not, clear to me what this means are they going to give the tokens to the users of those protocols are they going to give them to the multi-sigs uh i guess we'll have to wait and see um but then uh like sort of like curve okay so let me just take a step back if you use uni v2 and you're a liquidity provider you earn 100 percent of the fees if you use sushi swap and you're a liquidity provider you earn half of the fees the other half goes to um, the ex sushi holders and then if you're on curve um you earn you, you only earn what's inside of um you know the pool that you're providing liquidity for or um I, I believe it's half the fees if you have a vote locked curve um so there's all these sort of like different fee structures within DeFi, and so the idea with this ve33 is that let's just take an example i like spirit swap um spirit swap gets these like new tokens and then they go and they put uh their own liquidity onto this new amm and then using their tokens that they got they redirect the yield so that they're earning a hundred percent of the yield on the pool that they are providing liquidity from like if that makes any sense so they're not going to earn any any fees from any of the other pools, just just what they are providing liquidity for, um, those fees will, I guess, get distributed to their vote lock tokens. Um, 
that does that make any sense? I I think that's that's the best understanding I have of it. I think so. Okay, so coming at this from like the Badger stuff we've been working on in the Curve Wars, I think that kind of makes sense because like in the end, like with with Curve and Convex, you have these DAOs that are struggling to get booting control back, right? And so like if you have I don't know a small 10, if you have like $10,000 of C, uh, CVX or curve or, or whatever, even like 20 or $50,000, you're getting the, this income, but it's really not enough to make it gas efficient to claim unless you have like, I don't know, a hundred K or even more than that, like on Ethereum, especially. Right. So it doesn't really make sense for people who are not whales to have these or not, you know, mid to, to larger size stacks to have these tokens, right? Because especially like with Curve, because they have on-chain voting. So it costs like a hundred dollars in gas just to like vote for 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 certain things, right? So like and all these DAOs are struggling for it. So it's almost like why not just allocate it to the DAOs rather than like having it be farmed by all these small users and then the DAO is kind of like racing to to accumulate it back up so that they can like have yield influence over their tokens. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, the the whole thing is uh, a lot to digest, right? I'm sure anyone listening to this now is is probably confused. I I think the biggest takeaway is that it's it's making the ownership of the new protocol of this new AMM, right? Like who owns Uni, the Uni swap, uh, like token holders, right? Who owns Sushi, the Sushi token holders, and then how those tokens were distributed, right? It's controversial. They're like, oh well, uh, Uni swap was given out to a bunch of well you know there was the airdrop but then there was people that um had privately started providing lp so they got like a, a huge portion of the airdrop because they were early um and then you know the whole sushi thing where it was basically a, a robbery or vampire attack um so yeah uh the the difference here is that the the DAOs are now going to be the owners of this amm so the you know the it's not it's not the users it's not the liquidity providers it's the DAOs themselves so it's like their amm i don't know it, it's it's a weird sort of philosophical but then it's the idea that the DAOs will distribute the tokens to their users like it's another reward that the DAOs can give out yeah yeah exactly so then the well no the DAOs can do whatever they want right they could they could they could give away zero tokens or they could Right, or they could they could distribute the, their own tokens on top of this token, use this token to distribute, uh, provide provide uh, incentives and that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess like this is all the, on Andre's blog. It's like a series of four or five medium articles, so there's no product yet. So we'll see how it uh see how it shakes out. I was I'm excited about Yearn, and this is like an original protocol that Andre started, which was like what kicked off like Badger and Pickle and so many other um, yield aggregation. And their token had just been going nowhere for like a year um, because they really didn't have, they were buying back a certain amount of YFI Yearn tokens from time to time. And they were kind of like doing a Michael Saylor, like we're buying back our token but it didn't seem to be really like systematic and they've just gone through a big process of, you know, requests for feedback and voting. And now there's going to be like this more uh, vote locking your urine and, you know, deciding like what to farm or what not to farm. So I think, and, and before the, we, this dump that we just recently had, like they were, their token price was 
surging on this. So I kind of think like this might be a good play for going in. This, this could be like the next curve wars because they're, um, you know, like Frax and others have, have established similar kind of economics. Right. And that's been, that's been good for them. So like, I think this, I'm probably going to pick up some more urine here just in kind of like try to front run that a little bit and, uh, front run the, uh, income or urine as a productive asset narrative that's coming out. Yeah, the, the other thing just before we leave this topic that I just want to make clear is that, um, because the DAOs are getting this VE three, three token, you know, they don't, they don't have to provide like they don't have to like let's just take badger for example that wants like ibbtc to get yield from curve right badger doesn't have to put like badger bitcoin on uh under this ama they could just only put uh ibbtc and and you know redirect all this yield towards ibbtc so it it allows the the dao to do what they want with it like for instance um abracadabra might just put uh, magic internet money with you know like a tri crypto type pool or something like that um it, because that, you know that that's the other cool part about it right is um because it's the trident amm you can do things like having a tri crypto or a um uh, just like a standard swap pool all right so here's the big question you have a take that curve is going to be the number three crypto token at some point does this uh is this a threat to that thesis oh it certainly is the biggest threat that i've seen i think yeah i mean uh i don't know ethereum is still it's got that stickiness to it where you know if you're some giant fund that's coming in uh and you're allocating you're not you're probably not going to go to phantom or polygon or whatever you're still going to go to ethereum because it's you know it has that it has that risk factor of it's just been around longer um so you you know it's not going to break in certain ways or it hasn't broken in certain ways yet. <laughs> Did you see that Vitalik post on the um, on the risks of, of bridging and like the, the kind of like systemic risks that that introduces in uh, layer one blockchains? I did, but I'm like... Um... I watched the whole thing about him introducing the, the roadmap for Ethereum and I'm a little bit just sour about it still. So I saw the post and I was just like, all right, whatever, dude. I'm just, I mean, he, 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 you know, he, he writes these things every once in a while and they're, they're pretty profound and well thought out. Um, I, no, I, I, I can go dive into it a little bit deeper i just it felt a little bit like yeah dude there's like there's always risks and everything i don't know <laughs> okay so you didn't think it was as big a deal i think what what it, let me see if i can remember it but it was like if you have all these like small l1s that have some greater risk of a 51 percent attack and tokens are bridging all the time and if if there is a hack if there's a 51 percent attack in a smaller network and there are these bridges between them that could destabilize like ethereum or that could destabilize the more robust networks right because it's like out of balance in one place and not reconciling then on the on the other place is that basically what he was talking about yeah i mean that's why i have most of my money in bitcoin <laughs> mm. i don't know in my mind it's just like that's just unavoidable with the chain you know that like just look at um it look at uh, like what happened with ethereum classic right there was an, a fundamental issue with ethereum so they're just like okay cool let's just like fork it well that could happen on any chain so yeah the more you 
the more you interconnect things and spread them out and stuff that you know the same thing could happen with bitcoin and the idea is that you fork it and you take the longest chain and you move on um it would certainly look like hell in the short term like literal like you know people would lose tons and tons of money i mean that that could be the one thing that finally um makes you know governments uh start taking crypto more seriously like this this is one thing like boomer said is that um you know nothing ever really happens as far as regulation until people get hurt so yeah that could be it it's like everybody just keeps spreading out across all these like multiple chains and then yeah something like polygon goes down and then you wonder okay well what what about all this ethereum that is over there um is it just lost forever can we figure out a way to bring it back uh, restore it to people that sort of thing um again i uh, i don't think it's profound just because yeah you're the more every single time you're interacting with another protocol you're adding another layer of risk in, in my mind interesting so let's so thought experiment what happens so there's bitcoin there's bitcoin that gets bridged into ethereum that's being held in some kind of like multi-sig like the wbtc multi-sig on bitcoin then that is going to get bridged into polygon and then polygon gets hacked and that bitcoin is kind of like there's a question mark around it so like does that put the onus back on the like btc multi-sig like the the bridge multi-sig to kind of like account for that and yeah i mean i think that i think like that's what we found out like over the last year with all these DeFi hacks and stuff is like what it really what are we really going to find out is how how centralized wbtc is right because um say all that happens and there's some backdoor in wbtc that's programmed in that says hey we can just take all the bitcoin well then none of the bitcoin is actually lost and you know it could be mapped out to the um to the f addresses or something like that from polygon and be sent via ethereum or uh, people could claim it or something like that um but yeah it would also be um <laughs> if that's possible it's like okay cool well it's it's been possible the entire time right um kind of like when when curve like curve had an issue a couple of months ago, right? And then we found out about the emergency DAO, right? <laughs> like so, uh, I, again, I, you know, like I said, I said with the sushi swap thing yesterday, where I was trying to get my money out, and then it's like, oh well, actually, you need some people to go execute on a multi sig before um, this is possible. So yeah, I mean, there's there's safety to it. There's there's also risk to it, um, and then really, it just adds complexity, right? Because if that's if that situation were to happen um you are going to have a lot of people that are going to put pressure on uh, like that base protocol like wbtc to do something right but do they actually have to no there's no like legal <laughs> legal ramifications for them if they do nothing right well this is one of those problems that i'm just gonna bury my head in the sand and hope uh Hope that devs do yeah, something. Yeah, devs, well, devs, if you're listening, do something. Yeah, yeah, and and I say like it's all about risk management, right? So like I'm, I only have a certain amount of my Bitcoin in WBTC for this reason, right? I only have a certain amount of Ethereum on Polygon, Avalanche, Phantom, that these sort of things. Like I, I understand that uh, all the money that I have uh, in crypto could just go away right now. Um, if ethereum turned off right uh the only thing i would have left is my bit my my hard bitcoin um on actual mainnet right um 
yeah it's it's just these things that you just have to like be honest with yourself when you're involved in this space all right so what's going to save us dogecoin bitcoin and cold storage um having non-crypto sources of income such as your uh foot guns uh subscriptions diversification yeah i mean doge dogecoin and cold storage sounds like sounds like a good idea i haven't even thought of that that's like yeah dogecoin and cold storage that might be that might end up being the thing right what if what if everything just goes to hell and the dogecoin network is just the the thing that keeps running (laughs) well elon said he's going to bring that to mars or they'll have to be they'll have to be like a w m doge like mars doge because like the computers can't sync up that far away i believe um dogecoin is a litecoin clone actually i don't i've i've um i haven't heard anything from litecoin litecoin just disappeared and i don't know there was supposedly some uh there was supposedly some upgrade to litecoin that was supposed to make it like more private or something like that um but holy, I mean, it just fell off the face of the planet. Um, this bull run. Cool. You got anything else you want to talk about? We got we have a a foot guns news proposal that's uh, pending in the Discord. Right, we're gonna buy some uh, Polygon if the if the uh, voters deem it appropriate. I think that's a good trade. You wanted to buy some Klima too. Do you still think that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we were talk- we changed the proposal to be a little bit more open ended so that we can just pick a you know a fixed number of tokens that we can uh divest um yeah i i'm still i'm still thinking klima is making some sort of bottom here and that uh yeah polygon looks really bullish still i mean the uh, it, it still comes down to bitcoin right if bitcoin bitcoin's hugging this sort of trend line that i pointed out in the the newsletter and i think if it loses that trend line so let's say it, it falls back down to 40K and then, you know, starts going back down to like 35 or something. And it doesn't just recover by February or, or, or mid-February. Um, then, then, yeah, the show's over and, and we're just going to we're gonna turn foot guns into like the, the stable coin farming network or something, right? It's basically like golf, but just you and I just sitting here watching our uh, 10%, 20% yields. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get some all right i've got the cheat sheet open here i'm gonna try some technical analysis because i did i have i had some bitcoin in a block that i was gonna cash out and move to badger so i sold like most of it into stables with the intention of just moving it over um and that was when we were at like i don't know 46 47 and what is it now like 43 so like when we were at 41 i was thinking i was a fucking genius and now i'm thinking uh maybe maybe it's time to buy back in so I'm looking at the cheat sheet here. What is it? What does this mean? It's at forty. So at forty-four, four hundred. Um, so, what do I do? Yeah, it already sold sold off a little bit this morning. I guess like the second the Wall Street opened up, everybody's just like, "Let's take our one uh, percent profit." I mean, for me, it looks like um, it's consolidating. I mean, the you see the the resistance and the support aren't really that far mm-hmm. away from each other like 42k and 45k so in my mind this is this is um uh, you know you the cheat sheet says we're bearish on the monthly bearish on the weekly bullish on the daily so i mean i would just be i would be scaling in really small here because what it's saying is 
you can expect some more downward price action for the next couple of weeks, but that currently uh, we're getting some some upward price action in the short term. So that that starts to sound like a turnaround, right? It's like, you know, um, long term downtrend, uh, short term uptrend that starts to sound like a turnaround. So I would just be careful buying back in um, and and really like aim for um you know either the weekly support or the daily support so that's like 42500 or even wait for um 40000 again see if see if we go back down one more time yeah that makes sense i have to think i have to go through some like kyc bullshit to even withdraw so i just got uh got sidetracked with real life stuff but i will i will do that and uh i don't know i think probably i tend to i'm i'm a little bit more bearish now just because of like the macro and uh raising rates and all that kind of stuff. So like, I do think that there is a good, I don't know, fed has been making moves to like be a little bit more uh, hawkish, like even than expected. Right. I was, I was, I was interested this morning, like Wednesday, everyone was talking about the inflation number coming out and it was higher than expected, but then that was the day that everything rallied. So like what was going on there, I was expecting a sell off because like inflation higher fed going to get even more hawkish. Why do we why do we pump that day? Yeah, I just think it's noise. I mean, if you if you look at all these things on a larger time frame, like that pump was like really nothing, right? I mean, it was just it was probably people just closing shorts, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in my mind, you know, the volatility is is going up because people are uncertain right and when people are uncertain that that like that shows up in the real world through volatility um so yeah i just think that it could have gone down it could have gone up it's just like almost completely random just um how you know how grumpy were people or how sunny was it um the first person that started buying or selling yeah cool well uh i don't know what do you say we end it there do you got anything else you want to want to go over no, that's it. I think um, I will be paying a lot of attention to this VE33 thing and, and uh, the Phantom ecosystem. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, just like you, I'm, I got, I got my finger hovering over the sell button. I'm, 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 I'm fine being long Bitcoin here, but I'm also just um, really skeptical of, of every market and, and um, all the price action right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's got this multi-month channel and um a little bit of what what they call bullish divergence the the price is higher than it was in July but the momentum is lower so uh you know theoretically um all of the sellers are are sort of have already sold um so if any new buyers come in uh the price should either stay here or go up a little bit but um yeah i'm not I'm not looking for $100,000 Bitcoin by March, but, you know, anything could happen. Yep. You just got to, you know, tend your NFT peasants, make sure they're working hard for you and make sure they don't slack off. Get them, uh, get them to keep those farms running, right? Yeah, this is probably a good time to go play some crypto games. <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you later. I'd right, see you.